Welcome to Hard Talk, a podcast that looks at how we use technology and specifically ICTs in our daily professional and personal lives. Be it technological advancement in the transport industry, the revolution caused by the mobile phone, I also cover the disruption it is causing in the food and also the building industry. I'm your host, Robert Yawe, an ICT practitioner with over 30 years experience. For this episode of Hard Talk, my podcast, I've decided to repurpose the content of a webinar I recently participated in on the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic and the process of getting your team working remotely. The webinar was led by Annabelle and Marilyn from Afri Business, a management consultancy providing business advisory services to companies in various industries, covering areas such as strategy and change management, human capital consulting, business sustainability services, financial advisory and internal audit, they also provide a digital business planner for those of you out there who are looking to put their business ducks in a row as you move forward past and beyond COVID. Push finally came to a shove in the need for distributed working as a crisis has limited our movement. This limitation has prompted many organizations to question if they really needed to have their staff commute to the office for them to function effectively. The question is, are we ready? And what are those steps that we need to take that will ensure a smooth transition from presence-based to outcome-based management of our teams? To help us break down this topic, we started with three questions. This were, do you have guidelines for working remotely? How effective are the guidelines? And finally, who can work from home. Welcome, and I hope you find the content of this podcast relevant. So welcome back. For those who maybe joined us after we have three minutes, all we're doing was, we're doing the short survey, the survey that's on the screen. We just wanted to know what, it is, what are the outcomes you're expecting from this? Uh, okay. Also, do you have a remote guideline? Do you have any remote guidelines for your organization? Uh, how effective do you think are those guidelines? And who really can work from home? Because I think uh, we tended to have been told to go and work from home, uh, but we know some of us have tasks that can't be done from home. Uh, such as if you're working in a construction company and you have to koroga simiti, uh, you can't really work from home. Or I think the other day was a bank cashier who was caught going home with the money. <laughs> you work from yeah. home. So, so as we wait for okay. that to be tallied, so I, Marilyn, I think somebody's telling the responses. Yes, I can actually um, give you, you know, what has come out. Okay. Um, so for the first question, what, what are you hoping to get from the webinar? Uh, most of the responses to that question is in line with how to work efficiently from home. How do I um, manage my deliverables so that I'm meeting my manager's expectations? So that's basically the feel around that question. Now, the next one, do you have remote guidelines? This is this one, there's a variety. There are those who have um, remote guidelines because they, they, they are, they're already in a space where they work from home. 
the policy okay. is there. So the, the guidelines are there and they're clear and they're very, um, there's clarity around how communication and management of their deliverables will be done. We then have those who, due to the pandemic, the guidelines are actually in development as they're being deployed. So it's, it's a trial period. We are not sure, you know, we're just trying to see how it goes. And then we have those that do not have any guidelines at all. 50-50 or? Well, most don't have guidelines. Okay. But then you've, you've got a couple that do. I think there's one person who has guidelines that are well um, established and that work well. And then you have a couple that are trying out because of the pandemic. Um, then in terms of how effective the, are the guidelines, I think I've answered it in tandem with, with, with the previous one. That some, yes. those in, in that time, I mean, in those cases where it's well established, they're effective. But then the ones that have recently put them in line, um, it's a trial and error. But majority do not have. And then who works from home? Well, the, the, the question, the way in which it has been answered here is I think just in response to everybody's personal experience and they're all, I think with the exception of one, um, in a situation where they've been forced to work from home. AVTech is a leading systems integrator that provides environmental monitoring for your data center, server rooms, and even cold storage facilities. We are inspiring imagination. We are striving for innovation. Together, we are advancing world-class integration. These products are available in Kenya from Synaptic Solutions. AVTech, IT and facilities environment monitoring made easy. Welcome to the future. This is how you'll most likely be living your lives past Corona. I don't know what Java will do now, but they're no longer offering co-working spaces. So just to kick off, let's just start off with what are we looking at when we talk of remote readiness guidelines? It's more really the guidelines outline expectations for employees who work from a location away from the office. This guideline should ensure that both the employee and the company benefit from this arrangement. I think mainly why this is critical is for many managers, they believe that the only time you can be productive is if they can see you. Now the question becomes, does seeing you have to be physically seeing you or do we have ways to be able to know whether you're out there working or not. So with that as uh, the base of what we mean by remote readiness, it's basically about dealing with a person who does not need to come to the office, but is expected to deliver. So what are we looking at uh, the guideline? Most critical is performance expectations. And I think a number of people mentioned that as one of the issues that's important is how do you actually be able to measure? Uh, one thing maybe I would like to say before I move on is in the technology space, most of the time what we have is people telling us they have what they call business continuity strategies. I believe what the pandemic has caused us to do is to test those business continuity strategies. What really is business continuity? In case of a disruption, can your business continue to operate without there being a major impact on how you're delivering services to your customers? and also growing your customer base. With many organizations, they don't have even a business continuity strategy. For others, it's about generators and physical infrastructure and the rest. For now, what we're looking at is you can't make it to the office. If you can't make it to the office, will you be able to work? So how do we tell? The question is, do you have guidelines that already allow you to monitor the outcomes and expectations of your employees 
while they are within the office. So if you do not have a guideline to, to measure performance and expectations in the physical space, then it become very difficult to do this when the employee is now distant from the office because you have no baseline to use to measure. So the looking at is then that the guidelines should outline the primary goal of the company, the team and the role. How do you decide whether somebody can work from home? In my opinion, what we need to look for is, do you have a clearly defined job? Because without a clearly defined job description, then how do we tell whether you're performing as you should? And this pandemic is going to raise a very interesting scenario in that we might end up seeing a lot of people be identified as having been deadwood right from the start. And this is just going to bring out the fact that really there's nothing much you are doing in the organization. And that is where I suspect there'll be a lot of fear as we move towards the recovery of the pandemic and the fact that a lot of people might not report back to work and might not even be able to work remotely because there's not much work they really were doing. So how do we measure the productivity and success of the worker? I think for this part of the world, we have never been able to pick up or to measure the productivity of white-collar work. We are very good at doing it for blue-collar workers. In developed economies, like in the US, for example, that is one thing that's very comfortably. They know how to measure the productivity of a white-collar worker. In my earlier life, I worked for one of the larger consulting and audit firms. And there's something we had that could get you fired. And that was not filling your timesheet. Many of you might not know what a timesheet is. A timesheet is basically an account of how you spent every half hour of your time through the month. The organization would that key that into a system and then generate reports that were called recovery reports. If the organization was not recovering your pay three times or four times, then usually you'd be asked to leave. I think my, my most shocking experience was working when working with one of these firms was where your own boss is the one who brings you cutouts from the newspaper of job opportunities that are available for you. Like most organizations, your employer even has an issue if you, you try and go and say you're going for an interview. I remember I would, I would ask for time off to go for an interview and I'd even be given the day before and be told, go prepare for the interview before you go. So with some of those things, that's what's going to define for us whether we can measure the productivity and success of workers. So I think that's the first thing to do. Do you already have key performance indicators that you can then use when somebody is working remotely? If that is available, then I think this should be a walk in the park. Now, which tools would you need to put into place to do some of this monitoring? A lot of times you'd be able to turn around and talk to a workmate, find out how things are going or coordinate your schedule. Now, when you're remote, how do you get to do this? I believe there are enough tools out there to allow you to do this, whereby you can put together what tasks are being done and who needs to do what tasks and then monitor whether you've done your task. All it means now is that you'll need to remember to go and tick off that you have done your part. Currently, maybe what you do is you finish off with a file and you hand it over to the person next. So how are we going to achieve this? You need to be able to identify a tool. Some people will think of something like Slack, but basic tools, for example, if you look at Microsoft Outlook or the Google platform, Google, the Gmail platform, allows you to do a lot of this. And I think what's going to now need to happen is a lot of people will need to go and start learning truly how to use what we call collaborative tools. These are not new. I used to implement collaborative tools 20 years ago using something called Microsoft Exchange with Microsoft Outlook as a front end. It's not only a mail client. All the things you do today in things like WhatsApp and the rest can be done within Outlook or within Google and the associated documents. The benefit of working on something on the, on the cloud is it means you have access to that information irrespective of where you are. So your workspace really sits in the cloud. Now we will need to train people on how to work virtually. That's not going to get away, but we need to accept that that is the future that we're going to have to live with and start training staff on how to utilize some of these tools to monitor their performance and to do their reporting on a regular basis. Many of us are used to going to work in the morning. So in other words, your day was planned from eight to five. Now, 
how do you do this when you're sitting at home? I have a friend who started working remotely many years ago, and what he came to realize was if he left the house and walked across to the servant's quarter, which is where he had set up his office, his productivity would be almost zero. So what he would do is actually drive out. He'd actually come out, get in the car, drive out, go around the estate, come back and park in reverse, then walk out and walk into the office. That alone allowed his mind reset from home to work. Now, many of you have a Monday morning meeting. How will you have a Monday morning meeting when no one has come? And that's where tools like, for example, what we're using now, Zoom and many others, will allow you to do it. The benefit of this, no one can now justify coming late for the Monday morning meeting because you don't have to claim, you can't claim that there's traffic or any of that because you go online, connect, and you have your meeting. The benefit with this also is you can record the meeting as they happen. Therefore, there's a, a record of what exactly was said at the meeting. What about regular reporting? This is where you want to try and avoid WhatsApp. If you, you're using Microsoft Outlook as your client for, for, for collaboration, or you're using uh, Gmail or the full G Suite, then regular reporting is not difficult. It basically means you attach your report and you send it in, either to a shared folder or a shared uh, email account. So you just email the report to that account. Then you have things like weekly stand-ups and annual retreats. I don't know if this still happens. I remember when, we, when I was in audit, we actually have Friday drink-ups. I think this will not end. This, you need to just, the organization just needs to find ways of how this will happen. But soon you'll be able to do it virtually. Many of you have 40-inch and 60-inch screens at home. If you move your table right next to it, you actually can have a meetup. Annual retreats, uh, until Corona is fully gone, I think that's going to be a thing that won't be happening very soon. But they need to be planned for. And the question becomes, does the organization make them money that people need to physically meet? Most of this is because of we are doing things the way we've done it offline. I think with online, a lot of this will cease to, to often make much sense. So uh, in my opinion, there's no need of trying to enforce it. Because today you have virtual teams whereby people are sitting across the world and it'll be almost impossible to fly them in. The same is now going to start happening because you'll have an employee who operates somewhere on some island off Lake Victoria. The other one is in Turukana. So do you really want to spend the time for them to come in? I think what really is going to be important is, are you able to deliver what you need? We've, we've made the social interaction very important or seem very, but going forward, I can assure you, that's not going to be as critical. Next thing you need to look at is your working schedules. How do you want to do your working schedules? Are you going to agree on times when I can click on a soft phone and you should be on the other end of that call. And so set it. And I think this will now allow us to quickly also now implement things like flex time. What are the core hours when people should be accessible? You might decide maybe the core hours are 10 o'clock to 3 o'clock. So between 10 and 3, people should be available. Otherwise, you decide when to start your day. If you're an early riser, you've woken up, you've gotten the kids off to school at 6 o'clock, what do you do? Do you sit for two hours waiting for eight o'clock to power up or do you just kick in and start working? I think that these are things that now you really need to consider that no one is really traveling to come to a place of work. Therefore, the hours should be flexible, but you need a time when anyone is, is available so as to stop phone tagging and the like. Worksite closure, a Saturday's working days, a Sunday's working days. If in the physical space you do have that as, as closures and the rest, it only makes sense to translate that to, to one. But again, this is a new space. And uh, the more flexible we are at it, the more effective the organization will most likely become going forward. Equipment and expenses, the other thing that we need to think through. I believe apart from your desk, your computer, and more critically, a comfortable chair. 
I think that's that's where most of us will suffer because many people will try using their dining table chairs while working remotely. And that's going to mess up your back and it's going to reduce your productivity. Comfortable chairs need to be made available. And I think there's nothing that stops the organization from paying for you to get a comfortable chair. The tools. Today, we have things like what we call virtual desktop. Now, what virtual desktop means is it's a desktop that you use that belongs to the company that doesn't have to sit on your home machine. We've been pulling BYOD or to call bring your own device for a while. So this should apply also. So what, how we stop BYOD from affecting security and leakage of corporate data is by keeping it in the cloud, which where this cloud could sit within the organization's data center or in a public cloud. But that allows for you to use whatever device you're comfortable with and the organization being able to provide you with what you need for work. So your desk, your table. In addition, I'm thinking the water fountain has to come in. I, th I think that's a tool that organizations will have no choice but to, in, to find that they will need to give them and the traditional tea and coffee brewing station. Key question would be who pays for this? I believe KRA might raise an issue, but I think they're very clear about can we clearly define associate that cost to you have being able to work. The other thing as part of your tools is the space where you work. This will have to be discussed with the organization whether they want to dedicate space within the premise of your house that is associated as company space or can you factor in a cost, a percentage of what it's costing you to run your home and treat it as a business expense, and then the organization can refund you. I mentioned information security. A lot of organizations are using traditional, the basic way of having connect people connect to you, such as giving people dongles so that they do a connection into the office. Let me warn you early enough, you're opening your organization to hackers sitting out there who are looking for ways to get into corporate information. The hacker today is not looking at causing you damage. The hacker today is looking at stealing data. And stolen data doesn't leave us a mark. Unfortunately, if I was to get into one of the FMCG's system, I've no issue to want to bring them down. What I would want is to be able to steal data on their customers, their credit, their credit terms and such. That's what would be stolen. So as organizations look at ways to provide as secure connectivity as possible. And the best thing today that works for you would be what we call virtual desktops, whereby no data actually sits on the staff members' devices while they sit at home. So that even if the laptop was stolen, the desktop was stolen, there is nothing on the device that belongs to the company. The other thing is ownership. Who should own the equipment, the chair, the table? I believe if I'm sitting in the office, the organization will give me a table, will give me a chair, will give me a computer. I think the same applies. If I'm working from home, ownership still remains with the organization. Therefore, they are responsible for support, maintenance, and refresh. So the work environment. Many of us today rarely have to interact directly with customers. What I mean is face-to-face. -face. So in principle, the methods you use to communicate will remain the same, which is Monday over the phone. What's more important now is how do we make sure that the company can retain some level of confidentiality to the communication going on between you and a customer? I know for many organizations, you already lost this battle ages ago, whereby you put your employees' mobile numbers on their business cards. That was mistake number one. And that is why when, what happens today when a staff member leaves, they leave with a lot of customers. Why? Because you allowed them to communicate with this customer on their WhatsApp, on their phones, on their private Gmail account. You can connect all your remote users to your central PAPX or switchboard. With IP capability, this is very possible. So that when I'm sitting at home, any call I make will be done through this organization. Therefore, the call is logged and any necessary, if you have a CRM system, also captures the interaction between me and your client. Because in principle, the client does belong to the business. The client does not belong to me as an employee. 
So as you're looking at getting your client, your, your staff remote, one critical item is how do you make sure that the voice traffic that goes through or the voice, com voice communication is still within your control. So do call forwarding, uh, IPPBX is, I think we've got two or three providers who are offering what we call IP or hosted, cloud hosted PAPXs. This means that what you'll put on my card will be the office number and an office extension. So the client will call the office number and it will be forwarded to me. Don't forget at the end of the day, that's one of the highest levels of client confidentiality breaches that's happening. When you allow the employee to be the one who, the only person who has a contact with the customer. With working remotely, I suspect this is going to allow us to enforce some of these policies. The biggest beneficiary here will be CRM systems, which is what we call customer relationship management platforms, which would allow you to monitor what your staff are doing. There are a few local ones also, which are able to achieve your objective, whereby you can give some of your staff connectivity, but still monitor and even record what conversations to liabilities some of the liabilities we're looking at is what happens if you fall down at home does that is that covered by by workman's compensation and other insurance policies i think i'll leave that for marilyn or someone else to try and look and, and address marilyn do you want to address this now or do you want to do it after um let's do it after I'll okay fine. That down. Okay. okay problem solved resources uh, Things like accessibility, I think, uh, and tech support. You want to look at this in terms of, you want to provide the remote connectivity as a managed service. And I think that's the next point we need to go towards. It's very possible because with our telcos today, we have something we call APNs, which means that you can provide, build your own private network based on the GSM network. That then means that you can have centrally somebody can manage all your users. With that, it means that even though your tech support team sits at, they're also working remotely, there are enough tools to allow them to reach any employee wherever they are, so long as they have the connectivity. So for me, I don't think technology is the limitation here. What is more going to be the issue is the will. Do the organizations have the will to implement some of this? And because now with, with corona and curfews, you can imagine most people have to leave the office now at about four or five o'clock at high speed to get home. These are things we'll have to look at. Even tech support, in my opinion, can be remote. I have somebody who sits in Kenya and supports libraries in the UK. Now, if that can happen, then from within, it's not an issue. Kenya is very well connected. That is one thing we can't we, we can't look down upon. We are very well connected, which means today, if you're a remote worker and you need to work from Turkana, as you watch over your, your oil field, it's very possible. The 3G network is sufficient or the 4G network is sufficient. And if you're provided with what we call a remote desktop or a virtual desktop, then you don't have to have high power. So what we just need to do now is give you two solar panels and you can work from anywhere. The other issues we're looking at is notices and memos. Using shared calendars will now become critical. And all of these are available. You've had them on your Outlook client for the last 20 something, 25 years. Many of you have used Outlook just as a basic email. It's now time for us to fully leverage the resources available on things like Microsoft Outlook, but also because on Gmail, on, on uh, the Gmail platform, 
but Safaricom also and some of the other local providers allow you to set up what we call uh, uh, what's that term again? Because most of you pop your mail, do pop three for mail, which is the wrong thing to do. What you need to do is to make sure that your mail does not download to your device. It remains in the cloud. If you do that, then notices and memos can go out and every time you send out notices and memos, just remember to make read, read what do you call it? The read flag, put the read flag on, the on, on it. So you know that somebody did not, not only did they receive the email, the memo, but they also opened it and read it. Socialization, engagement. How will your staff get to interact? Like I say, we are moving into a new realm. And uh, how we thought of, of work is definitely going to change. Anybody who thinks that work is going to remain as we've known it is in for a root shock. So how do you socialize? For me, you can use the platforms. And today what you have is you've got a lot of introverts who don't want to, to look at anyone, but yet they communicate very well on the other platforms. I think one thing you want to stop is if you're going to use, avoid using platforms like, WhatsApp, because to me, my problem with that is if somebody joins a conversation three weeks, four weeks, a month, a year down the road, they have no way of knowing what happened before. So try and look for platforms that allow for record keeping and also ease of adding or bringing other people up to speed. Point of contact, what is your business's point of contact? It's unfortunate that even the government does not have a single point of contact. Our government still has a thousand and one phones, many of which don't work. So many of us have phone calls, phone numbers that go directly to a PS, a CS, a clerk, a watchman at the gate. As we go remote, it's more and more critical that you have a single point of contact. So those IP uh, PABXs are going to become critical. PABXs in the cloud are going to become critical. And any other platform that allows you to have a single point of contact from which you then distribute the call. So we, for, many, for certain organizations, they've already done this with what we call VPNs, whereby on your switchboard, the office in Kisumu was accessible as an internal call as well as the, the office in Nakuru or the, the, the office in London. That is still possible. Is it possible for the SME? Yes. It's actually easier for the SME to implement some of these platforms today than an established organization that already has what we call legacy issues. Your communication channels need to become more efficient. Uh, it's time for that info art to get answered. A few weeks ago, I needed to get information about what we call uh, sewage treatment systems. And I went online and I found 10 companies with websites that provide, with websites, companies that provide sewage treatment plants and had websites. And the websites had a contact page. I wrote to all 10. Not a single one of them has gotten back to me. So communication channels now will become very critical and they need to be managed and monitored throughout. Last one is feedback. And I think it's feedback to your staff and that's going to become different now. The best way to do feedback is if you're capturing all the information 
about an, an engagement. People in sales would be easy to do because if you now put up a CRM and I say, even the most expensive, the most powerful CRMs have very interesting rates. I, I think I looked at it at something like 15,000 a month per user. Now this is the time to start looking at those CRMs because it becomes the best way to give feedback and to know whether your staff are really, are really meeting targets. Have they, who have they talked to recently? What was the feedback and the like? But also I think others is performance and performance reviews. The people who are going to really have a rough time as we go through towards this remote work will be our people in HR. Because the days of just writing warning letters is about to end. I believe this, I'll leave this for Marilyn on uh, fair labor discrimination, promotion considerations. Uh, let, me just, let me just say something on promotion consideration. With a new dispensation, it will be very easy to deal with issues of promotion because you will be, it'll be clearly known who is performing and who isn't. Since you can't just hang out and politic with the boss, with the supervisor, your performance will be based on actual data. Uh, learning and development is very straightforward now. Those people in HR who are looking at this, they enough platforms online that allow you to send people to go and learn. And as they learn, you can record that they have learned so that we can stop this issue of some people attending time management courses five times in five years and nothing changes because you end up giving them attendance certificates. So Marilyn, I'll leave you to cover issues of fair labor and discrimination and local employment laws. Um, thanks, Robert. Um... So I'll pick on the two, there's fair labor and discrimination, and then I will, will ask my colleague Moses to um, touch on local employment laws. Um, for fair labor and discrimination, one of the challenges of, of working with a team, you know, um, remotely, is managing to keep an eye and to follow on each and every one of them. How do you know that? Um, they're performing, how do you know that they're supported? How do you know uh, that they, they, they have the attention they need to be able to deliver on what it is that they need to deliver on? Now, what is the challenge there? That you, will, you might end up concentrating on a few and leaving others out, and that opens you up to discrimination because at the end of the day, as it ties in with performance management, when you come and you tell me that I didn't, you know, you, I have not performed or I have not um, delivered, and yet I did not get the same support that a number of my other colleagues um, got, then you, you've opened up yourself to um, being accused of discriminating against me. And it is easier to happen within a remote area simply because it is tougher in that situation to kind of follow up and ensure that everybody is on the same page and has the same um, uh, facilities, so to speak, or the same level of support. That happens very easily within an office setting because you all come in and everything is uniform. Here you don't. So you've got to make sure that that does not happen and that then you know, comes to what structures do you have in place just to make sure that you're able to 
follow each and every person in your team and understand their needs and support them where they need support. The next thing I think which is very, very um, important in this bit and which will kind of move into Moses' bit is that this is not a time when, you know, you kind of decide that all people will be laid off. You're obligated to follow the law, you're obligated to follow the contract that you had in place in the beginning. So you've got to be very careful about how you handle your staff members in this situation and know and acknowledge that you cannot, you know, kind of just let people go because, you know, now you feel that they're not contributing in the way that they should contribute or, or used to contribute based on their circumstances. So that it, it, it needs to be very clear how you handle your staff members in their different locations, in their different remote environments. And maybe Moses, you can add on to that. Yes, um, thank you, uh, Marilyn, and thank you, everyone. Uh, regarding, um, I want to backtrack to um, Robert's, um, Robert's question on uh, the issue of liability. Uh, Robert has spoken ably about the different, um, you know, technologies uh, we can use, and he's emphasized uh, one of the key issues that uh, is going to arise uh, from this, you know, shift from working in the office from office and working at home is uh, the issue of confidentiality. And uh, ideally that is, on, um, that is specific to data protection. How do we ensure that client data, customer data is well protected? And um, a lot of countries have, this is not a new issue. A lot of countries have been you know, thinking through this and a lot of uh, around East Africa, we have uh, country specific laws I can, speak, I can speak about Uganda. Uganda um, established a uh, data protection law in uh, two, 2019, actually last year. And um, under that law, which is actually a replica of uh, the laws in other countries, uh, especially the Commonwealth countries, and also the laws, the continental laws that have been set by the uh, African Union, and also mirrors uh, a similar law um, set by the European Union is that uh, people call data controllers, this, this is, um, in this case, this would be a business. A data controller is someone who uh, has a access to a customer's data. They are required to put in place measures to ensure that this data is not lost, is not uh, stolen, otherwise it will be held liable. So one thing that we're going to see, a lot of um, the embedment of data protection terms in uh, um, in contracts, uh, that is, um, so through this shift, we see uh, service level contracts will have a lot of uh, data protection terms. Then also employee contracts will tend to have those terms to ensure that, you know, uh, should data be lost out of the negligence of um, an employee, then it's likely that the employer can, can you know, uh, would have a right to recover. The damages from an employee, and uh, likewise, customers and clients can um, can actually um, sue an employer who uh, breaches data the data protection laws in place. So, uh, also looking at the issue of uh, workmen compensation, of course, now they you realize ideally, and um, the laws in, in Kenya and Uganda are very similar. 
and also across the Commonwealth, we have what we call the common law. Um, the, uh, uh, regarding workman compensation, uh, the main uh, issue here is that liability, an employer will be liable for a worker's injury if that happens, the current position, if it happens in the course of duty. So I think there's going to be a need to retranslate or interpret reinterpret what in the course of duty means now. Because if I'm working from home and I went to the kitchen to get a cup of tea um, and I maybe shut down my laptop and um, I was done with work at that, that moment, how would we define that? Would that be in the course of employment or not? So I see there will be a, there will be a need, uh, you know, parliamentarians, legislators will need to sit down and try and define uh, you know, give and the courts themselves will have to give new definitions to some of the terms that exist. Also, uh, you know, when this shift is made, uh, if all these policies come into place, that means also employment contracts will have to be uh, revised uh, and, and uh, just to, to suit uh, the remote, the, the, the remote of working uh, that is being adopted. Then also you will notice that a lot of transactions uh, will be electronic. So there are laws that have been put in place. For Uganda, for example, we have uh, what they call the Electronic Transactions Act and the Electronic Signatures Act. That means you can actually authenticate documents because to ensure that it's uh, flexible, one of the things you need to be able to do is to actually sign off documents. Otherwise, that would hinder the you know work productivity because then you have to find your boss to have to sign a document to sign off a contract. So yes, it is possible. Uh, Robert understands how that happens, how uh, signatures uh, bec become individualized, so that um, you know a manager's signature is known to be the manager's. Another manager's signature is different from the others. So. And the other thing is also, you know, liability for services. Uh, at what point does, in, you know, a business become liable? You know, like take an example of Jumia. At what point do they become liable? If they deliver the uh, product to you, can you, can you actually, um, can, can you send it back for a refund? How does that happen? If it's, um, say, a newspaper, a newspaper that, um, you know, it's to be, you know, it's to be delivered to you and you want to send it back the next day. Um, the law, the laws that have been put in place to ensure which set the limits for what can be refunded, uh, how different goods and services are managed electronically. Uh, for Uganda, that's the Electronics, um, yeah, Electronics, um, Electronics Transactions Act. So generally that's the, um, that's the position uh, regarding, uh, you know, ability. Back to Robert, yeah. Thank you, Moses. Synaptic Solutions is an ICT company dedicated to enabling infrastructure visibility. We provide smart monitoring of your data facilities by implementing intelligent environment monitoring systems. For more, contact us on plus 254-7294-83385 or email us on smartdatacenter at synaptic.co.ke. Synaptic, spelt S-Y-N-A-P-T-E-C-H Synaptic Solutions Enabling Infrastructure Visibility uh, I think we can move on to Q&A now. Um, okay, so let me kick that off for you, Robert. Okay. Uh, the, a number of questions have come through. Um, and uh, I think one is, is actually yours. It starts off with Hello, Robert. So that's yours. 
Um, so here's the question. You mentioned an assumption that after the pandemic, some people may be laid off simply because of low or zero throughput during this period of working from home. Suppose one doesn't have the right tools for work, like constant internet connection and or a good laptop and electricity supplied. This will lead to lower zero throughput. Can there be some exceptions? When you're sitting in the office and power goes, what happens? This is the same thing, isn't it? So if you're at home and power goes, I think that could be considered. Now the question becomes, did power go or did you claim power went? With things called, we call IoT. Sad, sorry for you, I, I can tell whether you, you really lost power or not. We can monitor all that. But I think what it is is that an employer would be foolhardy not to provide you with everything you need to deliver for them. So if that if you have an employer who doesn't give you the tools today, I don't see him giving you the tools when you go in. Um, another question regarding data. I think this you touched on, but um, it came towards the end. So maybe just to touch on it a little bit. How secure will the company's data be when people go remote? Like I mentioned, there's something we call a remote desktop. What a remote desktop is, is it's a PC running in the organization's servers, data center, or in what we call a cloud platform. Nothing runs from your device. Everything is remote, which therefore means you cannot download information that is not, you do not have a right to. We do have tools, for example, even of signing reports. If you download a report, we can actually target so that that report can only be read by authorized people. If anybody else tries to open the document, it won't open. So the tools to allow us to totally secure data. And the good thing here is that I can actually keep your data safer when you're remote than when you're walking into the office. Because when you're walking into the office, you have cameras on your phones, you can take pictures, you can record conversations going on. The safest person to manage is a remote person. Um, there is another. Um, this actually happened at the beginning during the survey that uh, slipped through me. So I'd like to answer it because I think it is a very important um, uh, area and we are really struggling with it. And this is it. I am a mother or a father. I'm a parent. How do I balance working from home yet caring for my children and remote schooling them? Uh, maybe I can take that on because I am deep in the thick of things where this is concerned. Um, this is one of the challenging things about, you know, this time. And then it, it landed on us suddenly. Your children were sent home. They were in the house. You are told that you have to be an expert in every subject and, and take them through the schooling material. And at the same time, you've also been sent home from work and you are told that you have to work from home. Now, it's tough, but one of the things that we will need to really cultivate within ourselves is discipline. And I think we, we touched on a schedule earlier on. You have got to have your daily routine and keep to it and be strict to it where you ensure that there is time for both yourself, there's time for work, and there is time for home issues. If you don't have that plan in place, then things, you know, blend into each other. And more likely, your work is going to suffer because your home issues, the, the little bosses at home are bosses. 
They are the ones who rule the home. We are not the ones who do it. So make sure that you, you allocate time for each. If you might find that your day is a little bit longer. It has happened with me. My day is a little bit longer. But I made sure, for example, by this time I was up, my day started at this time. These three hours or, you know, how many hours was allocated to the children and we sat down and went through what we needed to go through with them. And then, you know, this is how my work, this is when my work began. So it's, it's not going to be an easy ride, eh? but the, a good way of starting to solve that is plan your day and be strict about your days. Forget about the three-hour lunches because you're trying to see what's, you know, get updates of what is happening out there. You've got to be very serious about it. Um, okay, now, another question, uh, Robert, is will working from home lead to bigger social distancing? Workmates will not be able to meet. Offices are not social places. They're places for people to go and work. I, I think remote now is going to allow us to clearly maintain clear definitions between friends and workmates. Uh, <laughs> no more spending hours around the, the team machine trying to discuss politics and the rest. Again, like you said, it's about your, your discipline. Clearly define whether you really need that social interaction. I think you have other places to get better social interaction, which therefore makes it easier when people get laid off. You know, there's no, nothing as painful as when you realize after 20 years of working with someone that your only true relationship was work. Because they try to call them, no one is picking up their phones, you try to come to the office to see them, no one wants to see you. But because your, your relationship was based on work, so let them concentrate on you working. Uh, we are not stopping you from meeting other friends. And, and I think people will build new structures and uh, Java will come back and become very functional. Plus a lot of other local establishments. Because I'm thinking now, most of our malls will most likely now pick up. Because if you're, you're 20 of you, you have a number of you operating around uh, Kitengela area, you now have reason to meet in the neighborhood. So I think for small businesses, this remote working might have a much bigger impact on giving those businesses an impetus to grow and stop this obsession of ours always trying to come into the center of the city of Nairobi and yet half the time we are, we are here to socialize, not to work. So let's come to town when we do have something to do and then let's grow those remote places. Because then it means that if you're th really thinking of socialization, I believe insurance companies have done it very well with the insurance agencies. So basically you have an office in Nairobi West where people congregate and meet. The same thing will happen now. So you'll have one in Kitengela. You'll have a place where people can congregate it in Roy, in Karen, in Runda. So we just need to separate work from social. And I believe that's what this is going to allow us to do. Yeah, and just to add on to what Robert has said is that um, what I am seeing, I mean, I'm amazed by it, but what I am seeing is that we're becoming very innovative about how we use the virtual space. When, when you talk about socialization, of course, and sure, as Robert has said, because I think it's very important and it's an opportunity for us to actually focus on what it is we need to focus. And what I like about working remotely is that the focus is now on deliverables. It's not even about the task. 
but it's about the deliverables and the outcome. Um, having said that, I know that, you know, after work we were used to a coffee here, a drink there, you know, a meeting for that game. Um, there are platforms that allow for that now. We just have to be innovative about it. But you can have your meetings and your chats and your, your, your light moments together and still interact with the people around you and your friends and your colleagues. I think that the most important thing is to also understand that at the same time, make sure you do not, you lose the connection with the people around you. So find ways, you know, after, uh, you know, after work is done, find ways of having a forum where you, you, you get on and you have a, a light laugh and you have everybody can come with their drink and their coffee and you, you still have that connection. Yeah. So we, we, we need to make an effort, but there are ways in which we can do it. Just to add to that, for me, most of the time, why we stuck around town in the evening was because you're trying to wait for jam to clear. Very true. There's no jam now. So for me, I, I think it means you and your neighbors will become much closer, which is where it's more critical because their children are the ones who your children are. So easy. I stay in South Sea. And uh, maybe now what this means is uh, there'll be more visits to Java, South Sea with my neighbors. Where because one, we have to get out of the house at some point since we're mm. stuck in the house working. So a quick one, text and say, let's, let's jump, let's jog across to Java, have that. We have gymnasiums, which have been doing very badly. I'm sure now they'll start working because it means instead of me waking up, when I wake up at five o'clock in the morning, what do you really do until eight? That's three and a half hours, two and a half hours, three hours. Most of it is in transit and the rest, which means that I can wake up at three, at five, 5.30, jog with two or three of my neighbors. We can jog around, finish, get home, back home at seven, shower, have breakfast, sit down to work. So I, my concern is we have converted workplaces into social things. To me, mm. as an employer, I, I'm not here to spend money on people socializing. I pay money on you delivering, which is why you never walk to see your doctor to say hi. When you show up to see your doctor, you're unwell, you pay consultation, you finish, you get your prescription, you go. I think that's what remote is going to end up doing. Is we're going to end up spending every shilling I spend on an employee on, on remote, chances are I'll get five shillings. And that's what it's about. Okay. Um, thanks for that. I'm, I'm seeing we're running out of time. So we're going to try and take um, another two questions, probably. Regarding CRM systems, how will the workers become conversant with those platforms since even now most company systems haven't been absorbed by their workers fully despite of working on-site? Now, when we go remote, we need a whole new system to be used by employees. How convenient will it be maneuvering through this new system? I guess this is about, um, as it is now, even in an, in an office setting, sometimes there's a challenge with technology and incorporating everybody in it. So how, you know, does this, how will it be managed now that we have complicated the issue by working from home? I don't think we've complicated. What we've done is we have all these powerful devices sitting on our desks that 90% of the time we have paperwork. What remote is going to force us to do is to stop the paperwork. Because what does a CRM do? A CRM tells you somebody called into the organization. Have we captured details of who called, when they called, what they called about. And then after that, who was the job, the task assigned to? 
has a person followed up on it? If they haven't followed up on it, the CRM allows me to know that they did follow up on it, then either you have an escalation to have that issue resolved. I'm sure you've sent emails to organizations and they are never responded. Or you call and phones ring and no one picks them up. I think what we're trying to do here is, in that question, is somebody's tried to make it seem like there is a steep learning curve. The days of managers just wanting to have Monday morning meetings to ask people, oh, so how are you doing? And you say, no, I've talked to five customers and two have said, no. Mm -hmm. That has to end. I want to go into the system and check and make sure you saw five customers and what you discussed with the five customers. And if you say it, you will follow up in two weeks. The CRM allows you to just click follow up in two weeks. In two weeks, it'll come back to you and tell you you're supposed to follow up on this inquiry. So what we are saying is that going remote might be the only way we finally become efficient because we are, we've become jokers. And I believe one thing I said earlier was, a lot of people will end up losing work because they never had work in the first place. They showed up in the office, they looked busy the whole day, they left in the evening. But did they deliver? No. They played politics, they became uh, the ones who gave information to managers about what other managers are doing. And we've turned our places of work into political parties. Those CRMs will kill those political people will have to start delivering and earning. Because really this is theft. I pay you for eight hours and you give me two hours. What do you call that? It's like me buying a kilo of meat and you give me two kilos. It's called theft. Let's, let's not uh, sugarcoat it. Let this be the opportunity this country has to grow businesses to, to great levels. It's surprising that even organizations, and I'll just have to name it like Safaricom, have the problem that small little shops in the middle of nowhere because you will send messages to Spycom and no one responds. Yet they're a technology company. When things go remote means those inquiries will always get into the system, they'll get a ticket and they'll get escalated. And somebody will become answerable to why there's been no resolution. And, and learning today is very easy. I assume 90% of us have at least an IQ above our shoe sizes. Therefore it means me getting you to learn how to use a platform is very straightforward. Most of us have, are using very complex smartphones and we've never read the manual. So I, can, I believe people can pick up CRMs. Thanks, Robert. I like the idea of the, the, the comment on the smartphones. I, I don't think I fall into that category. But anyway. um, okay, so let me pick up one last question for you, Robert. Um, very simply put, using video or not using video? Which one is better? What video does for me is that it's important when you want to really tell whether you're being lied to. For example, why Obama would get on a plane to fly to Kenya to see the president. They would have done a, a voice call. But you sometimes want to see the person. And also it's, a, it's, a, it's human nature to want to utilize your visual sense to get a feel of whether what somebody is telling you resonates with what you're seeing in their facial expression. But let's not make it... It doesn't have to be the standard. Because even today in your office, in an office, people who are sitting in an office, 90% of their communication is voice only. You pick an extension, you call the person across the other office. You rarely walk across. So video is available. For me, with 4G, as you can see what we are doing today, where most of us are sitting on 4G networks. Others are maybe sitting on high-speed fiber networks. Others are on 3G networks. So the connectivity platform exists. So I think the decision becomes... What message are you trying to get across? Does it require face-to-face -face or not? 
Um, so I'm going to thank everybody. I think with that, I will add just one question that does not need, I mean, we will not give an answer in this forum. I'll leave it as a question for their entire uh, group to go and ponder on. I found it nice and light. The question was, so what will happen to the new offices being raised daily by big cities? Will they become residential homes? Uh, I, I just like the, you know, the idea that they, we, we're still able to have a light moment you know, in every, with everything that is happening. And that's why I put that question across and I'll allow everybody to go with it and think about it. But having said that, I would like to thank Robert you know, for taking the time to take us through this session. I'd like to thank the team, the Happy Business team, for facilitating it and making sure that it happens and supporting it. And for each and every one of you who've come on board for the session. For me, it's very important to see what I am seeing today because it means that despite what is happening around us, we're still looking for ways to move forward. And then, in, you know, the fact that you have signed on to this session is an indication that we are looking for a way forward. So let's find that way together. So with that, thank you everybody. We shall get in touch with you through email and hopefully some of the new online platforms that Robert has told us about. And um, we hope to see you in the next session. We'll communicate when that will take place. Thank you. This podcast is hosted by Robert Yahweh and the content is based on articles written on the monthly magazine CIO East Africa. Production is done by Acute Media.